I'm Adam from the Digital Suit Podcast, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at gunnageek.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Dawson. And I'm Whitney Wegman. It has been a while since we've been together. It has been. Um, we did get together a little bit back, but uh, we had some technical difficulties with the recording. Yes, we did. It's not usable. <laughs> so. so, we have seen each other, just you guys didn't know that. <laughs> so, how are you doing, Whit? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I think the last podcast that actually went out was pre-Oscars. Yeah. Um, so it's been several months since we've had a show. Um, lots and lots of stuff has happened. <laughs> it really has. So this was, if the last show is pre-Oscars, then that was before Film Awards, right? Or Yeah. So before Film Awards, before the last Avengers movie, before... <laughs> Things that you've been doing in your life, things that I've been doing in my life. Yeah, we have, it's been we have crazy. a lot to cover, I think. Why don't we just uh, start with the kind of first big thing that we did discuss when we got together a month or two ago? But you guys didn't get to hear it but, because uh, technical difficulties. Congratulations on winning Best Actress at the San Diego Film Awards. Thank you so much. Uh, I was really surprised and very honored. Um, I was up there with some amazing ladies, uh, those who were in my category. Like, I'm just honored to be up there with them. They're all very talented. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was a huge surprise. Uh, that night, like, I was running around performing as Marty. Um, I got to play a female Marty McFly for some of our uh, skits. And uh, I was... I. I had changed into this lovely dress that had been made for me by uh, Adela Garcia um, for the awards. But at the end, I had to come back out as Marty. So I was all prepped and ready. Okay, like as soon as they, as soon as they say the awards, you know, whoever goes up there, I'll jet backstage and change and then be ready to go for the end. Uh, and because you didn't actually think you were going to win. No, I didn't. Um, I mean, that's I, not just the humble thing that you <laughs> said. Like, I know you didn't didn't think you were going to win that. No, no. I was like ready to move on to my next thing. I was like, okay, you know, it was an honor to be up there and. Um, you know, just like I said, I was up there with some really calibre, ca- caliber, talented actresses. Um, and yeah, so they called my name and I was just kind of like very flustered. I hadn't planned any sort of speech. <laughs> so whatever came out is whatever came out. Um, and I don't really know exactly what I said. <laughs> I've gone back and watched it because uh, you can actually watch the film awards uh, at kpbs.org. And uh, on the KPBS app, on like uh, Apple TV and whatnot. And uh, yeah, you weren't prepared. You could tell you weren't prepared. <laughs> I was watching you when the announcement Thanks. was made, just in case you won, because um, you were just off to my right. You and John were standing off to the right. And when your name got called, the look of just kind of like total shock on your face was priceless. <laughs> and then to watch you go up and kind of stumble your way through the acceptance speech 
but it was so genuine and so loving, not just to the filmmakers that helped you make the film that got you the award, but all the girls who were nominated with you, like, and then you spread that love to the whole community. Like <laughs> it was, it was quite lovely to watch. Aww, and jo you. Jody, Jody Silly had mentioned that like your speech was like her favorite of the night. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, quite a night for you, uh, with all the, all the, uh, parody videos that came in starring you a couple of bits of stage bits with yeah. you on stage uh, and then and then winning that it, it was, like, was it was a Whitney's night it was a lot of fun yeah um thank you so much uh i just got my coffee folks i mean if you've listened to this before i live and breathe <laughs> coffee so you know that i'm happy now right <laughs> um so yeah it was um Man, it was quite an adrenaline rush. Like that was a big, like, obviously I've been on stage before, but that was a lot of people. And I think even though obviously it didn't go out live that night, just the awareness that there are cameras and that there are people who will be able to see this in perpetuity for, is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah, for however many forevers. Uh, <laughs> just talking about is getting you a little flustered. A little, a little. <laughs> It was big. That was a big thing. But yeah. it was it was it was awesome. A bit of a an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, it was the same for me when I won Best Director a couple of years ago. Uh, like just that moment of like, what? Did I actually hear my name? Was that me? <laughs> you know. And then you go up, and it's just a blur. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole moment you're on stage, just a blur. I, I I I've watched it, so I know what I said, but like my mental actual recollection of that moment is of like what you said yeah a vague memory of like thanking my mom for being there and my aunts you know who were in from the philippines and dubai i know i think those three women and then i'm pretty sure i think Teresa and brian and my sister laura and then i don't remember anything else i remember seeing your mom that night she was just beaming yeah she was really happy and, yeah uh as it turned out, that was just a, uh, you know, like a month and a half before she passed away. So it was, uh, it was lovely to have that, that night with her. Yeah. Um, cause that's the first ever like directing award I ever won. Really? Um, so she actually got to be there that's, for that, which was really nice. That's great. So, yeah. Um, what else happened since then? Oh, uh, well, well, Avengers Infinity War Infinity came out. Infinity Wars came out. Yeah. Uh, which just passed the $2 billion mark. Not surprised. Uh, it was worldwide. really good. Um, yeah, amazing movie. Poor little Shawnee here. Uh, just burst into tears at the end for like 45 minutes to an hour. Because his favorite uh, Avenger. But the dust is a good way to put it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. I, I feel like we can talk Don't about spoilers. Again, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we can talk about spoilers at this point because, you know, if you're going to see it, you've hopefully seen it by now. Yeah, well, with two billion at the box office, I'm just going to assume everybody has seen it. Everybody's seen it, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, that it was. I mean, of course, it was Marvel, so we all like expected a lot from it, but the the depth that they were able to take comic book here you know characters to it was pretty impressive like that specifically that moment with spider-man and uh and tony like oh 
yeah. painful. Like the whole fatherly connection that they have and just utterly failing the kid, which of course was the one thing that he said in Homecoming. Like, yeah. if you die, that's on me. What if me. somebody died? That's on you. What if you died? That's on me. Yeah. I don't think I can live with that, you know? Like, uh, yeah, all that came rushing to me when I when that scene happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I loved the whole movie. Um, very, very curious to see how they resolve everything. Um, very curious to see how stick to their guns Marvel will be about who doesn't actually come back. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing I'm curious I, about. I really think Robert Downey Jr. is out. Like... I, obviously, he'll be in the fourth movie, but I think that's going to be... We're going to see the arc of his character and, like, the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. Um, well, him and Captain America both, because uh, Chris Evans's contract is up. Um, Downey Jr.'s contract is up. Um, I mean, they've been doing this for over a decade at this point. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that it was pretty much the, the original Avengers that survived... Mm-hmm. Infinity War because um, I think of all the characters who potentially could die and then not come back they're the ones that are the most legitimate to write off at this point yeah you know like um, Iron Man hasn't even had a another film since phase two mm-hmm. right because uh, Iron Man 3 was like the beginning of phase two they haven't had any Iron Man movies since. Well, and then, but he's been he's cameo in, in every and, single, you know. So, but, you know, I think that as much as anything is just to keep the character going. Relevant, yeah. To get to this point, right? So. Um, there was a, a leak of a poster for a supposed leak, putting quotations yeah, around I, that. I, I, I looked at that poster. I don't, it doesn't look legit to me. Really? Like the artwork just looks off. Hmm. Especially if you compare it to the artwork that came out for Infinity War, like it thematically just doesn't doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the feel of what the Russo brothers and Marvel have been doing for their marketing. So I don't know. I, I could be wrong. It could be could be something. It could be like you know an early test piece. Maybe you know. Maybe, but if so, Hawkeye and Ant Man were both back, which uh, it was a question in my mind. Like, where the heck are they for all of this? And, uh, you know, like in the movie, they sort of excuse it. Oh, they, they took a plea deal and, you know, for their families, da 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 so, Okay. <laughs> I think some of that, too, is just like balancing how many characters you have on screen, right? Well, and balancing people's shooting schedules, to be totally honest, because, you know, they have other films that they're in. Well, like Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out in a month. Mm-hmm. Oh, in a month. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, soon. So it's July 6th. Awesome. Less than a month. Can't wait. Right? Um, you know, so obviously, uh, they were making that movie right around the same time that Infinity War was being made. So, you know, I, I think some of that, like you're saying, is definitely, it was like balancing mm-hmm. the various people involved. I wonder a little bit whether or not Clint might show up in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, especially because, like, in the comics, like, Hawkeye and Ant-Man, or you know, buddies. They, but they're buddies and they, they operate together. They did a little bit of it in Civil War, you know, and uh, when Hawkeye shot the arrow with Ant-Man on the tip, you know, just straight out of the comic books. 
Well, I mean, so that would also make sense, especially if at the, like, if chronologically Ant-Man is happening, like, during the same time as Infinity War, and at the end there's some sort of catalyst for bringing him and Clint into the fourth film. Yeah. So. Ant-Man and the Wasp, from everything I understand about it, takes place shortly after Civil War. Okay. Um, but that's not to say that, like, the end credits sequence isn't some piece that leads you into the next Avengers film. Well, and do we know how much time has... It's two years, right? No. It was two years since Age of Ultron because that's how long Banner has been right. off in space. So really, I mean, like, even if it happened, what? There's maybe like a year span between yeah, year, the end of Civil and War and the beginning like of uh, Infinity Wars? Yeah. So, in other news, so jumping, uh, have you seen the new Deadpool movie? Yes. What did you think of it? I loved it. You loved it? Yeah. I think I liked the first one better. I enjoyed it, but I think I liked the first one better. Um. <laughs> it's funny because I've heard both ways with people. And I didn't say I liked one better than the other, but I've heard both. I've heard people like Deadpool 2 better. I've heard people say they like Deadpool 1 better. Um, and I think in most conversations I've had with people, the defining thing about whether or not they like this second one better than the first is whether they're, they're okay with the fridging or not of um, Vanessa. So, spoilers. Um, <laughs> Personally, I you know, I don't care one way or the other about fridging. <laughs> like, but uh, you're shaking your head like, what are you talking? about? Yeah, fr explain fridging as a term. I uh... um, kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with the the was it the Bechtel test? Um, how female characters are treated in a film. The idea of fridging is like killing off a female character or turning her into an ice cold whatever to provide the motivation for the male character. Got it. Um, so, you know, I get I get the arguments and the complaints about that, but it's kind of also part of what drives human drama. So... Well, and it doesn't... It's not that different from how she was characterized in the first film. I mean, yeah, she wasn't dead but she was still like a lot of his drive and reason yeah um she's always his motivation so. yeah and i thought it was really artfully done how they handled it I, all that was very pretty like you know? their their shots of the other yeah other world. i loved the cinematography of this whole yeah. sequel like i thought it was brilliantly shot mm -hmm. yeah that was really enjoyable i guess my my hesitation i mean i i did enjoy it but I thought it was, it, what challenged me was when they sort of got cable in on the tongue-in-cheek breaking the fourth, like, I don't know, it just seemed out of character from like the cable I think of from the comic books, When did right? cable break the fourth Sorry, wall? he didn't break the fourth wall, but he had, some of his banter was a little more like Deadpool-esque than I think cable would do. Because he's just sort of a stoic, Badass. I thought he was pretty stoic for the most part. 
Yeah, that's fine. She can say what she wants. Um, my nephew is sitting with us while we podcast. <laughs> he called called Whitney out on badass. Um, yeah, I you know I I didn't have any problems with the portrayal of Cable, um, but I'm also not. I'm not a like I wasn't a prior huge fan of the Cable character mm. either, you know. Yeah. And most of Deadpool, like I'm really aware of Deadpool, but I wasn't a huge like follower of Deadpool. You know, I've become more of a fan of Deadpool because of the movies. Yeah. Um, and I think because I appreciate that breaking the fourth wall stuff better on film mm-hmm. than I did in the comic books. Because um, there's just something damn funny about listening to Ryan Reynolds riff on Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy and like all those actors outside of their characters within the confines of the film. Well, and even 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 the ending, the whole ending in this one. He like (laughs) makes fun of himself all the time. Yeah. And that, that kind of like totally self-aware nature of Deadpool, I think just works beautifully on film. I, I would agree with that. That's the thing. I don't have any qualms about that character. Uh, it was just the characters that they've chosen to pull into this one. And, and may, uh, well, okay, so part of it's probably because, like, Hope Summers is one of my favorite X-Men. So I have lots and lots of opinions on that. And I'm just wondering if they're going to carry that into the next stage of that character. Because they sort of briefly mentioned her. She was Cable's daughter in the film. Which, I mean, they didn't really go a whole in-depth to that. Guys, if you haven't read the comic book, she's not really his daughter. He did raise her, but that's his sister. But he raised her in the future. And so he's older than her. And they have a father-daughter dynamic, but they're siblings. It's complicated. Time travel is really complicated. Anyway, (laughs) so... Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> yes, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Anyway, um, I I've always wanted to play Hope Summers. Like that's my if if there was a goal, like more so than winning an Oscar, playing and it doesn't have to be Hope. I really like her. She's my favorite X Men. But if I could be just a superhero, that would be really awesome. So that's that's a life goal. Putting it out there to the universe. You guys all heard. I would like to be a superhero. Um, and if I could choose any superhero, it would be Hope Summers. So that's why I had a lot of opinions going into seeing Deadpool. And I just question, like, those comics get super intense and serious. And it's like the decimation of the Earth. Hope is the first mutant born in 50-something years. And uh, it's... I don't know if it plays well with the playful nature of Deadpool. But again, they didn't really go that far into it. So I guess it it works for now. I wonder if they're taking it any further and, and that might become a challenge. Well, the X-Force movie is supposed to be coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can only assume that Cable's story will continue in the X-Force film. Yeah. Which will not be a Deadpool movie. It's true. Right, so... So it might change the uh, tone. Yeah. I thought his tone... And and maybe it's just a, it's just a reflection of being in the Deadpool movie. The Cable's tone was very different from Deadpool's, you know. But he's interacting with a character like Deadpool. I think it it draws out a certain type of response to things 
that can be read as really dry or read as being kind of participatory. So you think the quips are more just, okay, I'm going to talk to you like the idiot you are. Yeah, yeah. This is the only way I can get through to you, knucklehead. (laughs) Okay, I I would buy that. I would buy that. Um, But boy, what a a month for Josh Brolin, right? (laughs) (laughs) I loved how much the, the Thanos quips all the time throughout that entire film. That's great. Yeah, and I like the... Boy, that's really dark. <laughs> you sure you're not from the DC universe? Did you see the uh, the tweet from uh, from uh, DC and Warner Brothers to, to Ryan Reynolds? I did not. After the movie came out? They're like, hey, we want our Green Lantern ring back. <laughs> um, They're like, enough's enough. We want the ring back. Gosh. <laughs> It's hilarious. What did did he actually have the ring in the film? I didn't even. He ke- well, he kept he kept his his prop ring from the movie. Yeah. Right. So, you know, all these quips for two movies now just ripping apart being part of Green Lantern. They're just kind of like, hey, we want the ring back. <laughs> I mean, I think that's hilarious. He's making fun of himself more than anything. They need to get over it. No, I thought it was. I thought I thought it was good PR. On their part, yeah. Oh. Just like if he's going to be acting like that, let's let's play into it too. And be yeah. Like, hey, give us the ring back. You know, if, you, if you're really that unhappy. <laughs> I don't know what I loved about that movie. So, uh, John, John does not like Ryan Reynolds. Not not that he does not like him as an actor. He does not like him because well, I really like him. Uh, I'm- oh. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So. We went and saw this movie. So Ryan Reynolds like at the top of your little list? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. But he's married and has children, and I would never do that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fantasy role-playing over. Okay, now back um, to the podcast. Back to the podcast. Yeah, so we went and saw this movie, and that ending bit where he's, you know, he's made fun of himself throughout the entire film, but that ending bit, and if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it, but I turned to John, and I'm like, how can you not like this guy? Anybody who can have that type of sense of humor and dog on themselves seems like a pretty decent person. (laughs) John's like, yeah, and I'm like, plus he's Canadian. You know he's like the nicest person ever. Canadians are really nice. Everybody, yeah, 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 everyone yeah. that I've ever yeah. met. Yeah, I've never really met. Well, isn't William Shatner a Canadian? Oh, I don't know. He's kind of a douche. Uh, <laughs> I hope William Shatner doesn't watch our show, <laughs> listen to our show. You need to go online and look up. Uh, there's some videos and stuff I watched very recently of the first time that Will Wheaton met Bill Shatner. And it's fucking priceless man it is so funny like make sure you go check that out like look it up will wheaton meets bill shatner for the first time like all right i it, will do that it tells you everything you need to know about william shatner i will do that <laughs> um so so yeah there was that um what other things have gone on since the last time we've chatted what have you been up to oh well i've spent most of this year working on a documentary Do you guys need no we're good thank you uh, we're sitting at uh, Old Town, San Diego, by the way, uh, in a courtyard by a bar. So we'll, we'll occasionally get interfered. Uh, we are at the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Old Town, yes. which is a historic hotel. I don't believe it's still used as a hotel. 
Isn't um, it? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just a restaurant and and bar at this point. Yeah, um, maybe. But it, it's really cool. Yeah. And supposedly haunted, which Sean was super interested in, the haunted <laughs> history tours of Old Town. Yeah. So anyway, what I was doing, um, I spent most of the, this year working on a seven-part docu-series about medicinal cannabis, which uh, had me traveling to, I think, 11 states across the country, including wow. almost all of California. Like That's San crazy. Francisco, all the way down to San Diego. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know I haven't seen a whole lot of you. That's, yeah, you know, well, not since, a whole lot of podcasts. Uh, since January, I've been home... I think a total of like 30 days, 31 days. So six months, I've spent a month at home. The rest oh. of the time I've been on the road. It's been crazy. And I just got back two days ago from Florida and I drove all the gear that I drove out to Florida in January. I drove all that gear back, right? So I did a four day drive home. Um, I leave again here in a day and a half for Denver. I'm going to drive stuff up to Denver, and then I'm going to hop on a plane, fly to Seattle, work a show in Seattle for a week, and then Mike Peterson and Teresa and Brian and I are going to be driving gear back from Seattle to San Diego. We're going to take our time to visit a few places on the way back, but, like, it's just nuts, you know? Sounds crazy. Thankfully, July, I don't have anything lined up out of town, really. Um... And I think there's maybe two shows, but I think they're both Southern California shows lined up for for August. Yeah. Um, there's a distinct possibility that I'll be sitting on a panel with Neil Halford at Comic-Con. Ooh, that'll be fun. Talking about podcasting. That'll be fun. I will be there. Um, I've got to confirm that with Neil. Um, but shout out to Neil Halford for, you know, calling us up and asking if we'd be interested. Um it's the only way I'll go to Comic-Con this year. Uh, what else is going on? I'm going to, like, kind of part-time live in, in uh, Mexico this summer after I get back at the end of this month. What prompted that? Um, Jody Silly uh, got a, like, vacation rental down in Playas, like, four or five blocks from the beach. Nice. For the summer. Asked me if I wanted to rent one of the rooms. I've been contemplating, like, moving to Mexico. Well, that would be a good way to check it out. So, yeah. I have not been to Mexico since I moved to California. Really? Yeah, I have my passport. I'm just not. Well, when I get back, <laughs> when I get back from Seattle and I go to head down there, you should come down. That'd be awesome. Yeah, because the only, the only parts... It's like of the house is open for, like, everybody to come and hang out. That's awesome. Summer. Yeah, the only parts of Mexico I've ever seen are, like, parts that you get to on a cruise ship, you know, like Cozumel, those things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's like a day trip. Yeah. Yeah, we'll come down and hang out. Okay, like, yeah. We should totally do it. Um, I love going down to Ensenada. Like, we can drive down there and go see the blowhole and stuff. Like, I just want to go and get a giant thing of the really good vanilla for baking. <laughs> there you go. That, that's one of the best things. Like, it, I don't know if you guys, well, if you don't bake, you don't know this, but vanilla, real vanilla, is kind of stupid expensive. But you can go down to Mexico and get, like, a jug of it. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I am not going a whole lot of places this summer. Uh, John and I discussed it. We're like, where should we go on vacation this year? And I'm like, why would we go on vacation anywhere? We live in San Diego. This is where people come to vacation. To vacation yeah. So we're we're staying. Um, we are going to try our hand at learning how to surf, which should Fun. be interesting. Uh, 
I, when I was younger, like mm, 13, 14, on vacations, I'd go and, you know, I've, I've tried to surf and I did pretty well. But that was a long time ago, actually. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, you know, like I'm in, I'm in a couple of shows, uh, theater shows this, uh, this summer. I'm doing Fringe Festival. Uh, I'm in The Quote which was, uh, is a play written by Michael Shantz about uh, the Gary Hart. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, the Gary Hart scandal back in the, what, early 90s, mid 90s? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, early 90s. So I wanted, I wanted to say it was late 80s, but yeah, I think it was early 90s. And, uh, and then I'm also in a play over at Lamplighters called Love Sick. Uh, that's being directed by Kristen Fogel. And then uh, outside of that, what have I been doing? Oh, uh, so I worked on a horror film with Jeff, and you were there as well. Uh, so I think we'll still be doing some work yeah, on that. Yeah, we've got another night of shooting in July. Yep. And, uh, and Which I'm, I, I'm taking over the direct directing duties on. So. All right. So, yeah, we'll be <laughs> more blood and guts and gore. And then uh, I, I did some pickups on a film that I shot up in um, L.A., uh, so recently we, we did some pickups on that, uh, which was really, it was a great day. Like it was this beautiful garden, um, over in, uh, starts with a P help me out here. Pasadena. <laughs> we were over in Pasadena, <laughs> like P word. Uh, and, uh, we were shooting in this really beautiful garden and, um, yeah, it was just mostly me like walking around, kind of being like a clown version of myself because I was supposed to have never seen plants or flowers or anything like this before. And I had a really fun time because that's like <laughs> clown version of me is just like, oh, that's exciting. And that's also exciting. And so is that. <laughs> and I got really close to a bee, like because I was I was exploring this bee and looking at it super close and the director like, oh, she's like, I really wanted to call, you know, a quit on it because I thought you were gonna get stung by that bee, but clearly you knew like, cause I was like <laughs> maybe mm, and not even an inch, like a fingernails, a knuckles length from this bee. <laughs> and she's like, I really wanted to call cut. I thought you were gonna get stung, but it, it worked really well. It's fun exploring so, things like a child. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're gonna have a, a guest on here in a minute. We who, are. Who's a friend of yours? You want to kind of tee it up a little bit? Oh yeah, sure. So um, Lauren Shell is going to be coming on to the podcast here in just a bit. Uh, she's actually a fabricator for various films. Um, she did some of the models for um, Interstellar, so some of the um, the spaceships and things. She also did, uh, uh, there was this film with Justin Long and it, I, it's right before Aaron, or I'm, I might be messing up that title. It, it was kind of a low, not low budget, but not well known. Cause I think Justin Long like produced most of it. But uh, there were a lot of props pieces in that, like this giant, and I mean giant, like taller than a person wedding cake that she had to build. And uh, I got to hear the, the trials and tribulations of that wedding cake because it was uh, quite an undertaking. And then she's been doing um, a bit of uh, puppetry building, like tiny model building for a television show where they reenact uh, stories of woe from different actors. Like 
just fun. weird things that have happened in an actor's life and <laughs> things like that. And they do it with puppets, tiny, tiny puppets. Oh, cool. So she'll be here to talk about all of that and tell those stories better than I can, obviously. <laughs> Well, uh, so we'll, we'll get to the interview with Lauren here in a second. Um, I, I want to take a moment to remind everybody to visit our website, uh, theintellectual.com or ixe.us. Uh, our whole back catalog is available there, and you can listen to episodes with folks like Jim Cummings, who's the voice of Winnie the Pooh, um, on our one-year anniversary podcast. Um, I bring him up because... Uh, the Christopher Robin movie will be coming out here pretty soon, mm -hmm. uh, starring Ewan McGregor and Jim Cummings doing the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, still, that's so great! Um, which is fantastic, and um, and we've got a, a number of short films that we produced uh, in the last uh, six to eight months, um, which have been uh, doing the festival circuit. And I want to give a shout out to uh, the teams of both Forever My Love and tossed aside Woo -woo. Um, for uh, starting to get some, some legs in the festival circuits. Um, tossed aside won Best Dark Comedy at the Oneros uh, Film Awards in April. And uh, Forever My Love is currently up for um, uh, Best Actor and Best Cinematography at the Oneros Film Awards for May. Oh, nice. Um, so just, you know, very cool that both of those films are getting some recognition. Oneiris is an Italian film festival, um, so we're kind of excited about that. We're hoping we get pulled into their uh, their annual screening uh, part of the festival in August. We should know that in the next month or two. And um, yeah, and if you haven't uh, checked out the Gonna Geek Network, we are a proud member of the Gonna Geek Network, which you can find at gunnageek.com. And uh, there's a whole bunch of shows there that you can check out that will fulfill your geek needs. And, uh, yeah, so in, the, in between new episodes of the show, which have been sporadic and hopefully will be less so over the next couple of months, make sure you're checking out our back catalog and uh, checking out other shows like Gonna Geek. So we're going to take a moment and switch gears here and move into our interview with Lauren. Hey, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Have you ever wondered what you would need to do it? Well, there's a show at the Gunna Geek Network that's just for you called Better Podcasting. And in fact, in this week's episode, Stephen and SP are going to run down a variety of different ways that you could podcast, including how to do it uh, without using a traditional computer, you know, like a desktop or a laptop. Uh, they've done it, and they're going to tell you how to do it. So check that out and much more in this week's Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com slash 134 another show that's a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck, telling you please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears. Oysters. I don't. Well, I've never had one, so I can't say that I don't. You've, I've never eaten. Aren't you oyster. from the Carolinas? Yes, like, I am. The seafood is a thing, they right? They look like boogers in a shell, so I've never eaten one. <laughs> boogers in a shell. <laughs> that was on tape, right? Yeah. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. They kind of freak me out, so I've never eaten one. 
I'm not a ver- you know, I'm not opposed to trying it. I just never wanted to like buy any, and then on the chance that they, I hate them. I mean, so okay, this would be an opportune time for you to try them because they're only a dollar. Mm. But the way to do it is you put them on a cracker, you put the lime, and then you put the sauce. So really, you're not tasting much of the oyster itself, but they're really good, like clean protein. Mm. You know, mm. good I'd, for you. I'd be willing to give it a go. All right. See this. Are we rolling, Mr. Dave? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, we are here with Lauren Melody Shell. How are you doing today, Lauren? I am doing really well. I'm saying your full name, so if people want to look you up, uh, they can find you on IMDb. Yeah, you, I understand. You use your full name. I understand. So, uh, Lauren and I know each other from graduate school out at UVA, and uh, Lauren came out here to LA, and she's now like kicking ass and taking names, <laughs> doing art design and props and all all sorts of stuff on movies and TV and yeah you've done a lot, done a lot. lot. every time every time I like call to hang out with you you're like I'm on set I'm working uh when are you off again like three months In or something three or four months from now she doesn't that sounds about right yeah she doesn't take a day off ever no. um so yeah what have you been up to um uh, well I, for the first four months of this year I was working at the Hollywood Puppet Show for their second season and I'm their production designer, and I've been with them since the first season as well. So, what is Hollywood Puppet Show? Uh, Hollywood Puppet Show is um, a show that is uh, owned. Well, the the right anyway. It's run through Entertainment One and um, Fuse Network. Fuse Network owns the show, and um, basically, what it is is we interview celebrities, and they tell their most ridiculous stories. And then we 3D print a marionette puppet that looks just like them. And then we we in react or reenact their uh, stories on camera. <laughs> and so my job is to uh, build the sets, design the sets and build them for uh, and the props for this show alongside uh, Dustin Yoder, who is my like art director. So, what is the most challenging thing about designing sets for puppets? <laughs> you know, it almost always comes down to time and budget. Like, you can build anything if you've got enough time or money. <laughs> so, for me, it's it's not so much like the building process or even the designing process. It's just how much time we're given to do that. In, um, I mean, as far as like the complicated stuff of building, it's really just getting enough, enough detail in it so that it looks like something and not just vaguely like you want it to be, but something that could really pass as a, a small version. Yeah, because it's pretty, it's thing. tiny, right? Yeah, the puppets are um, 20 to 24 inches tall. So they're kind of um, American Girl doll size is a little too small, just a skosh out of scale. But for the most part, that's kind of like the range that'll kind of give you an idea of like size. Yeah, I've seen some interesting stuff pop up as far as like tiny foods that you have made and yeah, kitchen like sets I really things. got into making food this season, so we've we've got a lot. I made some matzo ball soup that's probably my pride and joy of last season. So uh, yeah, like I've, this season went really well, and they decided the network decided they really liked they preferred practical sets. Our first season was made, and it's on Hulu right now. The first season is, and actually the second season will be coming out on Hulu in January, uh, July, in July. Uh, but the 
network decided last year, we had one practical thing last year, which was a door. And the network decided that it looked really good when the puppets were interacting with that one real element that we had. And uh, so they gave us some some more money and uh, decided to let us make some actual sets, which <laughs> turned out to be totally worth it because yeah. they just look, they look so much better than, because it's shot on green screen otherwise. Right. And they just look so much better when they're, real <laughs> when they're actually and the puppeteers love it well, especially really in something like it. that right because because yeah. you're talking about practical puppetry mm -hmm. if it's not interacting with something real it's, why bother with yes, practical puppetry yes <laughs> right? and the puppeteers they're good friends of mine they're good people they uh every time we would every time they would walk they would go away and we would put a setup in the in the room on the green screen stage and they would come back and every time it'd be like Oh man, this is awesome! Just because they had something to to do and touch and interact with, and it's always so much better than you know. Here's where a bed will be. <laughs> Just kind of floating in the air. Here's a green box for him to sit on. This is a couch, <laughs> you know. So it's well, it's they up their game this season. I, I would imagine that gets really challenging for a puppeteer, like yeah. just sort of. Yes, you know, it really does. Guesstimating. Uh -huh. So this season will be much better than last season. And so just the look, the overall look and feel of it. So I'm really stoked about it. But now this is not the first time that you've dealt with building tiny, tiny sets. Didn't you, for Keanu, do a bunch of tiny, yes, tiny things? Yes, and for the movie Keanu, we, um, my friend uh, Haley Kaim and I built the miniature kitten sets for, so the movie's all about this kitten, Keanu, and um, Jordan Peele's character, and, you know, so they, um, uh, we built the, we built all these little kitten sets because in the movie they are, uh, it's a little bit warm. Excellent. Well, Thank small you. Plates over for you. We make Thank our own you. chips. Let me know what you think. Got a spoon here, and like I said, I'll bring plates right there. Anything Appreciate else? it so much. Do you need more coffee or anything? Um, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So, just as we were saying before, we were hanging out at the Cosmopolitan Hotel down in Old Town, and they just brought us. What did you order, Lauren? Uh, the spinach or mushroom and artichoke dip. Mushroom, mushroom artichoke and spinach dip. It looks really good, mm -hmm. and they have. The, the gentleman who just served it to us said they make their own chips and nice. they look really good too. I know. So, um, if oh, you guys you. are in San Diego and you're in Old Town, come down and check it out because the food's really good. The atmosphere is very pleasant. And uh, the coffee, which is my favorite part of life, is delicious. <laughs> Mm -hmm. If I could get a sponsorship from just coffee, just blanket coffee. sponsorship from <laughs> coffee for my life. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you pay me in coffee, I would actually be all for it. Totally. Hashtag life goals. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag I'd also accept a sponsorship from Red Bull. That is all. <laughs> so you're building sets for tiny kittens. Oh, yes. Um, so the, the character makes a calendar, a kitten calendar with, with his kitten, and he makes all these intricate sets for that are movie scenes there's scenes from movies and so we made 12 little kitten sets from i i specifically worked on the beetlejuice um and the mad max sets like those two were mine and then there was one more what was that i can't remember the other one that was solely mine and then we worked 
we kind of divvied up parts for a couple of other uh, sets as well. But yeah, so um, as the credits roll at the end of that movie, you see all the little images of the kitten in like different things, and uh, we made those. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice that you had a moment that highlighted your work. Well, we got through the whole movie, and I was like, they must have cut it. Like, we spent all that time, and we never saw it. And I'm like, oh, well. And then the credits rolled, and I was like, ah, like that's it. it. Made me so happy. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. How did you get into this line of work? <laughs> like, the, you know, my life has been a very strange life. I've done a lot of really different jobs over the course of my life, but it all kind of culminated at um, University of Virginia where um, I, I was studying technical direction for theater. Mm -hmm. So um, it was just uh, learning how to set design, or not set design really, but take the designs from the designer and create drawings and building. And I learned welding and carpentry and uh, foam fabrication, just a whole bunch of random skill sets there. And they were awesome. It's all the stuff I loved learning about at Baylor's Theater. So. Like, it's the best, you yeah. know, like hands-on really getting in there. And um, we got an art grant our second year, um, and it, it happened to fall into the theater, I think it was the theater department's like lap, mm -hmm. but they decided, or I don't, I don't really know how it was supposed to be divvied up originally, but they decided to make it like a culminating class for art, architecture, and theater students, something that all of us yes, could do you. and we could all get behind and learn something from. And they thought that making monsters would be the best way to do that. And so they had this class created called the Art of the Moving Creature. And it took students from the art school, from the architecture school, and the theater school. And we all learned, they brought in um, the Stan Winston School of Character Arts, um, which is, you can find that online, um, which are online classes normally um, with Matt Winston. Um, his father, Stan Winston, is like, you know, a legend. Yeah, in, God in the industry. You know, yeah. in the industry. And um, he did, you know, all the Jurassic Park dinosaurs and Terminators and, and Predators aliens. and Alien Queen and, you know, like anything from the 80s that was amazing and practical, like Stan yeah. probably worked. Yeah, all the stuff that scared the crap out of yeah. you when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah, that was all And Stan. Um, <laughs> so his son started this school and Stan passed away. And um, normally they do all online stuff, but they came out to UVA and Matt brought artists from out here to come teach us how to make monsters. And we did that for a year. Um, and it, I fell in love. Like, I was, cause I, you know, I'm like, I enjoyed theater, but I just wasn't sure what I really wanted to do with it. Cause yeah. I had, you know, I studied acting, I studied this technical direction and, and I just, I wasn't quite sure, wasn't feeling like a real dedication to really either one of those things. And when we started making those monsters, it just clicked. Like it was just like, I, this, I want to do this. And um, Matt kind of saw the passion that I had and invited me out for an internship. And I came out here for six weeks in, my, in our final year of grad school. And he put me in studios all over Los Angeles and I was building, I worked on Interstellar um, for making the miniature spaceships and um, with New Deal Studios. And I worked over at ADI and those are the guys that 
you know, are also really big with creature effects, practical creature effects. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it, it was an amazing time, and then I, I was hooked. So then I, I moved out here and started working, started doing miniatures, and that's where, I, because I worked at New Deal Studios primarily, and they just, they do most of Christopher Nolan's miniatures. It's nice to hear people actually working in miniatures again, because there was a while there where it was feeling like the industry was going to just shut that whole side of the business yeah. down, right? It um, really, yeah. But I think it's, I think there's been an uptick in the quality of how visual effects look in films as like they've kind of learned to balance out CGI mm -hmm. with the practical, right? It always looks so much better yeah. when you can blend the two, when you've got that, that especially, especially with, um, that's why I'm so stoked for the second Jurassic World because there's so many, they're going back to the animatronic dinosaurs. And so there's just, there's something more real about actors' performances when they've got something to interact with or mm -hmm. they can see it before they have to, you know, do something. And so it, it's why I, lo I love miniature stuff because they've got that blend of, you know, of, of real and effects and, you know, like, it's just great. So... Um, uh, earlier, I, I, ha I have to bring this story up because I just find it charming. Uh, we were talking about, uh, you worked on a film called uh, Dave Made a Maze. Yes. And um, what was the most challenging part of Dave Made a Maze, Lauren? So, well, I mean, aside from, aside from the fact that the whole thing's made out of cardboard and it's just, you know, making um, sets out of cardboard, we had this one room it was called the origami room. Um, it was a beautiful room. I loved it. It was my favorite room. Um, and the room calls for this giant cardboard face to vomit origami. And so it's just constantly this giant cardboard head opens. And it was in the script it called for just oozing like origami vomit. And so, you know, the room is it was supposed to be filled with origami cranes. And uh, so we knew we were going to have to fill a large space, and we would have we had two or three volunteer sessions of getting volunteers. We had people sh we had people mailing boxes of origami from classrooms across the United States, Aww. like the people that were just like my my students made, and they would send us like ten cranes, and you're like, oh thanks, you know, like we got cranes from everywhere. We had uh, we had trash bags, and I mean like. I don't know, five, two to five trash bags full of cranes. That's a lot of cranes. And we were like, this is it. Like, it's perfect. And we go in there after we built this, we built this giant chamber for this giant cardboard head. Because the actors have to crawl through that head. So it's it's a huge thing. And we get, we get in there and we go, aha! And we just dump the bags out onto this very empty floor and I'm like wow that was underwhelming like there we need like a million times more of these cranes to even come close to filling this room so basically we ended up just crumpling up paper like ton of paper crumpling it up and then just kind of tossing the, the cranes on top to yeah. kind of give it the illusion bit, yeah. of covered in cranes so every shot was dressed really meticulously with more cranes on top of it because there was not that many cranes in that room <laughs> every time 
time. It was just ridiculous. I'm like, oh my god. I remember when you were doing that. You were calling for me. Come to a crane folding party. Uh-huh. Come join me. Oh yeah. And uh, I didn't realize until recently. Like I, I actually got an origami book and tried making a crane, and it took me. I'm gonna say a good half hour to make one crane, and then I'm like, oh dear God, I really feel for you now. Mm-hmm. That's a. How fast were you able to make cranes by the end of that? Out of curiosity. Mm. I actually got really fast at it because we had to. We were cranking them out. Well, we knew we had to hit. It was something we needed. We we knew we needed like nine thousand cranes, or it was something. It was a, there was a number. And so we had figured out, like, if all these people show up, we each have to fold, like, 50 cranes or something within the day in order to, like, get that number. And so by the, you know, you start off doing it, like, really meticulously. And by the end of it, you're like, (laughs) just trying to, like, crank them out fast enough. But... So then you have camera-ready cranes, and you have background cranes. Deep background cranes that are like, they're in the vaguest shape of a crane. And you're like, here we go. It's great. It's real great. Shit's folded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did, like, we would do like the hero ones that would be like, you know, the actors interact with those particular ones, right. and then you've got everything else. <laughs> so man, you have been working a ton. What's been your favorite production so far since you've been out here? Everyone asks me that. I don't even. I, honestly, Dave Made a Maze was probably one of my favorite productions. Yeah. And it was the first one of my career. Like that was my first on-set experience. It was my first, my first prop master job. I was also the set dresser. Which, by the way, you should never do both at the same time. That was a horrible <laughs> idea. Horrible. But it it was such a great crew that it didn't matter that we were all working our butts off. So, you know, I'm like the director, Bill Watterson, is amazing. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, just everything about everything about that show was it is by far the most creative job I've had just because of all the awesome weapons we had to make out of cardboard and all of the weird set pieces that had to, it all had to be cardboard, so. Well, I suppose you don't get a whole lot of movies that have that sort of surrealist, no. odd, it reminded me of um, Science of Sleep. Science of Sleep, yeah. yeah. It's, that, it's, it's always kind of compared to that because of the, that kind of quality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, God, it's hard to say though. I mean, every job has its like ups and downs, but as far as creativity goes, Dave Made a Maze has so far not been uh, uh, passed as far as like that kind of thing goes. Now, you also got to be on uh, one of Justin Long's movies, right? Oh yeah, literally right before Aaron. I never get that name right. I was t- telling Dave about it earlier. I'm like, <laughs> I, it's something with Aaron and- It's LRBA. Okay. Is it for those of us that worked on it because we couldn't say it over and it was like Lerba <laughs> because we didn't want to have to like say it over and over again. <laughs> But um, yeah, he's actually a really sweet guy. Yeah. Um, uh, he was the first person, the first actor, and he's a he's a pretty well known actor. Um, he was the first actor to ever come up to me on a job and thank me for work that I did the day prior. 
because <laughs> there was there's a scene in that movie. Well, I don't want to ruin it. I don't know. It's been out long it's enough. Been out, right? uh, it's been okay. out a couple of years now. Spoiler if you haven't alert. seen it, if you're spoiler, that concerned, alert. Skip ahead. spoiler yeah. alert. If you're planning skip. on watching literally <laughs> right before Aaron, yeah. then um, skip like five minutes. They uh well, there's a scene where, where he gets drunk at his best, well, the woman that he loves is in love with's wedding, and he has to, he Can drunkenly... Water? Sorry, yes, yes, that would be awesome. Thank you. Um, he drunkenly walks up to uh, the stage where her wet, giant tiered, like, five-layer wedding cake is. <laughs> he walks over to it and shoves it off the front of the stage. And my job was to make I think I had five versions of that wedding cake that we made, mm -hmm. uh, and um, it's bad enough in a real wedding to have to make the one cake, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, but like that's the thing about film, uh, and you know we got a lot of people listening to the show who aren't filmmakers. Uh, anytime you see something happening on screen where something gets destroyed, there's more than one of that made. Right? At least three, <laughs> <laughs> just for the three takes worth. But we had like five wedding cakes. One of them was like a deep background, just styrofoam, really cheaply decorated for like way wide shot. That was all foam. Then we had a a kind of foam base and a real top for one, just for like a splatter, a decent splatter effect. And then we had like three fully real, like five tier wedding cakes. <laughs> and I'm not a tech, I'm not a cake decorator. I had no idea. Like, what really went into, like, making a cake stand up? There's a lot of work that goes into making a cake stand up. <laughs> and, and I just didn't realize that. And we started putting it together, and my plan was just not working out. Like, we ended up, most of those cakes were held together with cardboard and hot glue, like, that we shoved inside the real cake mm -hmm. and hot glued it together. Have you ever watched Cake Boss? Oh, my gosh. Because I, I, that's the real that's the reality of it anyway. I mean, yeah, <laughs> don't they usually put, like, a dowel through the center? Yeah. Which I guess you can't do because you guys had to smush right, it because it had to go flying so it had to you couldn't they didn't want it to be so solid that it wouldn't splatter right but they needed it to hold up to like make it onto the stage and then be pushed so there's like, this fine line and at one point we were standing on the stage and justin was standing behind me and I'm holding it because it's starting to kind of like <laughs> lean ever so slightly. But you know, and it's really hot. They turn off the AC when they run, when they make movies. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hot. The icing is a little oozy. And we're standing here and I'm watching it kind of like go. And the director is just discussing things. And I'm standing there. And finally I was like, guys, if you're going to shoot this, we need to shoot this now. And, and essentially, they would they would they started rolling they would say action and i would just walk off the stage and he immediately would walk on and shove it right off like there was no wait time because the cake was not going to make it so it it really was like i was just kind of holding it and i would briefly let go and kind of run quickly and he would stumble on drunkenly and push the cake off the stage because we couldn't wait we, there was like barely any acting involved because the cake was already kind of like going that way anyway, like, right? shove it but uh he came up to me the day after and thanked me for all the work on those wedding cakes and it's always stuck with me because not many actors take the time to thank you know prop people well, <laughs> for coming yeah. up with random things and it was just really nice of him i really appreciate it it really does stand out though when when talent comes up and yeah. thanks you as a crew member yeah. for what you do i mean like it it just doesn't happen very often yeah i don't think i don't think enough 
folks who work in the talent side of our business. I'm looking at Whitney. Um, <laughs> I don't think enough of them realize how appreciated that kind of just simple um, grace from them mm -hmm. can go so far. In, I mean, it's, it's stayed with me for years yeah, now. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I had, I, I worked as a spotlight operator uh, here in San Diego, gosh, over 20 years ago now. Oh, wow. um, for a, a, a Jim Belushi and his, his, I think, Sacred Hearts band that mm -hmm. he played with, mm -hmm. blues band. They were performing here at the Embarcadero Park. And I was a spotlight operator. And Jim climbed my spot tower at the end of the show to thank me and the other spotlight operator for the good job that we did. Oh, that's um, sweet. You know? You know, like, I mean. It's just. All it was, his head popped up over the edge of the, the tower, you know, because he had to climb up. He was like, hey, I uh, just want to say, you guys did a great job. Thanks. I was like, I, thank you, sir. You know? Yeah. Like, and that's all it takes. It's been 20 years. He's still one of my favorite celebrities. Oh, just because, yeah. like, he took the time to go and say thank you to me. And oh, yeah. It meant the world to me. It, it means so much to you when you get... And it's not that I need like lavish praise. It, it, no. was, it really was just, you did a great job. Thank you. And you're you're just like, you're welcome. So glad you noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I've worked a long I'm time. I'm all dressed in black and you noticed me. Like, like, thank you. <laughs> well, and I don't know if you, if you guys have experienced that on like smaller things, like indie films. I feel like that happens a lot. Like, yeah. you know, the actors thank each other. The oh, yeah. director thanks everybody. Like, it's just everybody's thank you, appreciate your work. Thank you, appreciate your work. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it, it becomes harder when you have a hundred plus people to go around. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's that's great that he's like that. Mm -hmm. And I, you kind of think that just like based on the you see the interviews, you see the types of characters he plays. Yeah. But well, it's he's good, the man. It's good to hear it from somebody mm -hmm. that it's like, yeah, no, he, he he's genuinely he's is legitimately like, a really sweet guy. And was, oh, should we hold? Yeah, what is it? Airplane. Military helicopter. You know, they're shooting Top Gun 2 over on North Island. <laughs> holding, holding, helicopter. <laughs> I don't know. We might be able to hear the helicopter on the thing. <laughs> um, but no, he is genuinely a sweet guy. And I had, I had that was a really great, because um, Kobe Smolders was um, his Oh yeah. Um, co-star in that. And she was also the best. Like, it was just really great. We was like 150. We were shooting in this tiny, it was like a, it was this, it was, what was it called? I guess it was a studio apartment in like Los Feliz. It had a tin roof and it was like a hundred degrees outside. And so inside we were all boiling. It yeah. was, we, it, we, I can't describe to you the heat. Like it, was unbearable. Well, tin roof just becomes a big radiator. It, right? <laughs> I felt like we were cooking in there, yeah. and I'm. It was unbearable, and um, Kobe ended up ordering an ice cream truck for the set, and it just sat outside of the set all day, and you just walk up and get a milkshake, or walk up and, and you know, and I. That was the first time. It's happened to me since as well, but it was the first time any like actor had actually been like, you know what? We're all really hot. You guys are working hard. Here's some ice cream. And again, it was just like, God, thank you. Just for, you know, being thoughtful. <laughs> being thoughtful. Just, you know, I'm like, man, 
it really it made the day so much better just because we could have a little bit of ice cream <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, like suddenly it wasn't the worst day of our lives <laughs> so you've gotten to meet quite a few celebrities through your work in yeah. the last few years who has been like your favorite to meet like you might have gotten a little fangirlish you're like yes Oh, that's something I'd pay money to see. <laughs> you fangirling over somebody. I, I don't, I, you know, I'm like, I'm not a... <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um, There's I did Whitney. not mean Always it. To, I people. didn't no. mean it to be a stumper. No, no, no. I'm just like, I, I when I'm asked, now I've got to look at my IMDb because I'm like, I. it's like I can't remember everything that I've worked on. And so... It's funny how it all just kind of blurs it, it into really one, giant, like, one giant me, job that never ended. Yes. <laughs> Especially in her case. Let like, me, I was not exaggerating when I'm like, I call her up and it's like, yeah, I have one day off in four months. <laughs> in four months. Well, that's been my life since the beginning of the year, too. That's true. That's true. Um, I mean, I'm only home for three days right now. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> As Lauren goes know, through her I'm IMDb, like scrolling through. Let me see. I mean, let's see. I can I can shout well, out. Well, some I'm, I'm going to say this. This is a good spot to to pause because uh, we're at the half hour mark. So we're going to end the first part of our our, our chat with Lauren, um, and the second part will come in the next episode of the Intellectual Podcast. Um, thank we you can- for listening to the first part of the interview with Lauren. Uh, we will come back with her fangirl moment <laughs> next week. <laughs> on part two of the interview. Uh, In the meantime, I'm Dave Dawson. I'm Whitney Wegman. You've been listening to the Intellectual Podcast, and we will see you all again in a week as we conclude this very fun and interesting uh, chat. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk soon.